Queenstown International Airport is the gateway to one of New Zealand's tourism meccas with over a million people passing through its arrivals hall this year. The airport wants to expand and introduce night flights. This Radio New Zealand Insight program asks how safe that would be at an airport acknowledged as one of the most challenging in the world. Just over two years ago, two incidents within days of each other involving jet aircraft packed with hundreds of passengers spotlighted the constraints of flying in and out of Queenstown International Airport. The reports of aircraft too close to each other and a pilot making a questionable takeoff prompted the Civil Aviation Authority to conduct a safety review just as the airport advanced its case for scheduled night flights. I'm Steve Wilde, and in this insight I investigate Queenstown Airport and its importance to the New Zealand tourism economy and ask whether it's pushing the boundaries of aviation safety in order to boost tourism dollars. They come from all over the world, and there's no doubt for the passengers the Queenstown arrival is certainly dramatic. I don't like flying, so I was kind of a bit sickish at times, but it was good. I was just nervous about landing. <laughs> yeah, I think Nicole was scared because it was really low. Um, yeah, but it was so nice because you see all the mountains and everything. Yeah, it's pretty. Captain Alex Passerini from Qantas Airways has been flying into Queenstown for over 20 years. If you're designing an airport from uh, a greenfields approach, you can always look back and think, well, why was it put here? But at the end of the day, it is where it is, and we've got to manage that operation and uh, some of the risks associated with it. I mean, we have other airports around the world that have different risk profiles because of different reasons. Queenstown is unique, and as I've said in the past, it is the most technically challenging operation anywhere in the world from a Qantas perspective. Having completed one of the most challenging arrivals in the world, at the end of their visit, about 60 passengers boarded Pacific Blue Flight 89, bound for Sydney in June 2010. In low cloud, the captain made a decision to take off. The ground claims he broke the airline's own rules by leaving less than 30 minutes before official twilight, which it says didn't give him enough daylight time to circle round and get back to the unlit Queenstown runway in the event of an emergency. That decision would result in him being charged with the careless use of an aircraft in a hearing before a judge that's due to resume in early September. During the case so far, the testimony of the co-pilot Christian Rush under cross-examination by Crown Prosecutor Fletcher Pilditch brought home the reality of flying into Queenstown. I never wanted to fly to Queenstown. I asked rostering for an international pairing so that I could avoid flying there. And why was that? I don't like it. It's way too much work. It's too much stress. I'm ill-trained for it. That incident came just two days after another Pacific Blue 737 came too close to a Qantas jet in the skies above Queenstown. The Pacific Blue jet was coming into land, but the pilot was unable to see the runway and elected to climb out. In the meantime, the Qantas jet had been cleared to descend. As the Pacific Blue jet climbed out, the two airliners came within a 1,000 feet of each other, which in aviation terms was just too close. That loss of separation sent alarm bells ringing throughout the industry. 
The Transport Accident Investigation report into the incident found that the level of risk at Queenstown has increased significantly because of the changes in the variety and intensity of operations. Jet aircraft in Queenstown have forced pilots to fly a complicated figure of eight circuit above the airport. And the report questions the safety of that circuit as bigger and more powerful aircraft have begun flying into the resort. Rescue two, Queenstown, morning. Good morning. Could I have clearance on all runways, please? Rescue two, proceed on all runways. Rescue two's on. Okay, if we're out the door now, Steve, um, we drive it like we stole it and we're in a hurry to get to the other end. Um, we're 26 tonne of uh, machinery here, so it's, uh, we're high off the ground. So they're deceptively quick. We haven't gone very far now, probably four or five hundred metres, up to 60 kilometres an hour coming onto the runway. I'm heading out onto the main runway with the rescue fire manager at Queenstown Airport, Bill Wrigley. Over 30 years, he's seen a meteoric rise in air traffic at Queenstown. It's grown. It's uh, just every year, it's just as we step up another level. The um, ski industry, especially in the wintertime, this year we're running about 32, 33 international flights a week on top of all our national flights, so uh, yeah, wintertime is, is a busy place. The runway has extended quite a bit. The type of aircraft, we had, uh, when I come here, we had um, 748s. Um, with Mount Cook, the Hawker Sidleys, the old with the Dart engines, used to be quite noisy. And um, in those days we had um, handsets that were flying with their Dash 8, so it was um, just all turboprops in those days when we first started here. And the jets arrived, that would be a bit of a change? The jets arrived, that was, uh, at the time, as you're well aware, it was quite controversial at the time. Uh, no one in the town really wanted them. They thought they were going to drive everyone away with the noise, but um, once they got established in that, I think everything's just drifted away and, and people have carried on with their normal lives. Queenstown's international air traffic has increased by more than 500% in the past decade, with a 50% growth in passengers. That boom has been good news downtown, where the resort's hotels, bars, restaurants and retail stores have enjoyed the economic spin-off. The importance of the airport and its visitors is not lost on the Mayor, Vanessa Van Uden. I think it is such a strategic asset to this whole community in terms of getting our visitors in here and being our connection to the outside world, well one of our connections to the outside world, that people feel very passionate about it and want to make sure it continues to deliver the high level of service it has done. What's it worth to this community? Is it? Would you say it's the number one piece of infrastructure, it's pretty up the top, isn't it? You've got to consider it in, in amongst all the public health ones, but it's certainly on the top of the list. There is a desire to expand with evening operations. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a, a, an exercise we need to undertake in consultation with the community and the airport needs to be in consultation with the community. Um, we need to weigh up the benefits and the costs and actually make the decision that's the best for all of us. Not, um, and that's a balance of the people who live near it and get affected by evening flights. But it's also a balance of the rest of the community that will benefit from the ability to actually meet the needs of our visitors in a better way. Destination Queenstown Chief Executive Graham Budd says not only is the airport critically important economically, increasingly travellers now want to arrive in Queenstown when they want to not when a daytime schedule allows.
From an economic development perspective, it's important that we have growth as part of uh, what we're wanting to achieve, and steady and controlled growth, and I think it has been that. Having evening flights and being able to extend the operational hours of the airport is, is I think, a very important part of our natural growth and evolution. Increasingly these days, people don't have a lot of time for holidays, and therefore they're looking for the short break, and that's become a common part of people's sort of working lives now, rather than big long holidays. Holidays, they're taking you know, several short breaks during the year. So in that sense, being able to leave on an evening of a Thursday or a Friday and get into Queenstown in reasonable hours is very important. Managing the safety risks around increased air traffic and night flights will be key to achieving the economic goals of the resort's business community and satisfying the wants of travellers. I'm at Auckland International Airport, about to join Air New Zealand Flight 641 to Queenstown. But rather than taking my seat down the back with all the other passengers, I'll be joining the captain, Pete Rogerson, and the first officer, Andrew Price, on the flight deck. This is Air New Zealand's flagship Airbus A320, painted all black. But it's not the paint job which makes this aircraft special. This flight is utilising the latest in aviation technology. It's called performance-based navigation, and like the GPS unit on your car, it tells the pilots exactly where they are, even when cloud or darkness means they can't see out of the windows. And as we get airborne on this flight down the country, I want to briefly take you to another side of the world, to an airport with similar constraints to Queenstown in Juneau, Alaska. Former Alaskan Airlines pilot Steve Fulton helped develop the breakthrough satellite technology nearly 20 years ago and now works for GE Aviation. I spoke to him as he attended the Oshkosh International Air Show in Wisconsin and he told me to imagine a highway in the sky. Well, the very first thing uh, that you need is the ability to, to locate your position very precisely without respect or regard to any particular location on the ground. And the reason I say that is historically the way we would locate airplanes or position airplanes is with ground transmitters, ground beacons that you would tune in with a radio on board and, and then fly directly to that beacon or directly from it using it like a homing signal. And the problem with that, of course, is there's a finite amount of these little ground beacons around the, the surface of the Earth, and it's only so many places you could put them. Uh, the signals are line of sight in places like Queenstown with mountains and so forth. It's, uh, it's problematic. So the fact that we had GPS and it was coming from above, from the, the, low, from the Earth orbit, it, it's a tremendous um, enabler. It's a, uh, a disruptive technology in the new terminology of, uh, of the technology world. The second thing you need to have is the ability to define a, literally a road in, in, the, in the air that you can uh, guide the airplane uh, from the cruise altitude down to the runway and from the runway back up uh, you know, into the cruise altitude to, on, your, on your way to your destination. Um, 
because of places like Queenstown, you have an opportunity uh, because the terrain is so obvious and it requires uh, uh, you know a lot of flexibility. You have the opportunity to demonstrate that you can use this onboard computer of the airplane to create a highway in the sky that is completely flexible. And so that's the second piece. The first, again, positioning. The second piece, the ability to define a, a highway in the sky that you want this airplane to follow. Back on the flight deck and the pilot Pete Rogerson and the first officer Andrew Price are checking all the systems before using the satellites to guide them into Queenstown. As part of flying RMP in the mountains, you've got to have a GPS RAIM prediction check. It predicts how many satellites will be uh, visual to the GPS antenna at the time you arrive. And so here it is, so we've got no outages, so that's fundamental, firstly we've got to have that before we go. It's showing now that, that both GPS receivers are tracking 12 satellites, which is about all that's possible at any one time, and they have a 28 satellite constellation around the world. So, so it's the best it can be? Yeah, so we're backing up, both of them have got the full 12 at the moment. So that's giving us an accuracy of 0 0.09 of a nautical mile which, you know, in the, in the big sky theory is, is pretty accurate. We can fly within 0 0.09 of a mile of a predicted point. There's, there's different tolerances uh, depending on, on what your machine will do, but we can fly to point 0.1, and that's what we'll do today, yeah. So which, which allows you to get very low before you, you take over visually and land? Correct. We've got about 15 systems on board that we need to have, and so if one of them broke, we can still carry on, but to a higher minimum. The Transport Accident Investigation Commission report into the loss of separation incident in 2010 highlighted the deficiencies of operating large jets in the Queenstown area using traditional aviation methods. Queenstown Airport's Chief Executive Scott Patterson says the time has come for all jet operations to use the new satellite-based technology. He's relying on required navigation performance to usher in night operations at the airport. Flying into and out of Queenstown, it's challenging. We're not a huge airport, that's one area of challenge as far as our physical presence is concerned. But of course the major challenge is the um, terrain. So around the safety cases and uh, look at focusing on the safety case at night, it is from an airport's perspective how we light the airport to be able to get um, visibility the pilots. The other side is of course how an aeroplane brings itself through the terrain to safely land at Queenstown Airport, avoid the obstacles that uh, Mother Nature's put in place. This airport is a world leader in some of the technology that it's been using and, and groundbreaking. That's got you to the point where you're even able to even entertain the idea of, of, of evening operations. Yes, I'm told years ago the thought of a jet coming to Queenstown was out of the question and now there is no hesitation that the 737 jets and the uh, A320 size jets are here all the time, in and out, and in and out safely. But it is the technology that will, if uh, we are successful, it's the technology that will deliver evening flights to Queenstown. That same technology is being used today and it's being used to reduce the frequency of delays in and out of Queenstown through cloud or um, weather conditions. But will the technology be enough to ensure the safety of night flights? 
A current airline pilot who's flown thousands of flights into the resort agreed to speak to Radio New Zealand, but for contractual reasons he can't be identified. He says the Queenstown airspace is extremely difficult and the safety case for night flights is tenuous. His words are read out by someone else. Well, Queenstown's airspace has until now required the pilot to visually maintain contact with the terrain. That's meant they can fly down to uh, 4,000 feet above the runway, and providing they can see the runway, they can continue the approach and land. Now that's uh, the way the Pacific Blue flight would have done it, because they don't have RMP. The advent of required navigation performance has enabled pilots to fly through the mountains, even in low cloud, when they can't see out the windows. They can uh, fly right down to 400 feet, and providing they can see the runway at 400, they can continue to land. But while the RMP has given the pilot the ability to get very close to that runway before actually seeing it. Um, the night operations pose a whole new set of risks. When a pilot pops out below the cloud and at night, will he be able to judge depth perception? So what lighting profile will they have leading up to the runway? Considering there's a lake at one end and a bloody big ravine at the other, I'd be dubious. Can they set up the lighting path to the runway with those constraints? Do the residents want big poles with lights sticking out of Lake Wakatipu? The Civil Aviation Authority wouldn't be interviewed for this programme while its safety investigation is still underway. But Radio New Zealand understands the focus of its investigation will be on the extra hazards associated with night operations. It's likely to say the airlines will need to prove the safety case themselves to be presented to the CAA for certification. Air New Zealand's chief pilot, Captain David Morgan, who's flown into some of the world's most difficult airports, as well as Queenstown, is confident that safety case can be made. Night flying will come uh, in the long term, and, and uh, we're very supportive of that, but the issue for us is ensuring that all of the safety considerations that uh, have to be put in place are put in place. Hey, what are those safety uh, concerns? Uh, certainly there's issues with regard to obstacle lighting. that do require investment uh, and appropriate planning considerations and what have you. And, and another thing might be the width of the runway as well, possibly, is it? The, the width of the runway is not a major consideration for Air New Zealand. We have quite a bit of experience of operating uh, off-narrow runways, uh, both here in New Zealand and in Australia. We, we operate the aircraft very specifically. In fact, we change our operation on the narrow runway with regard to crosswind limits and weight limits and things like that because the, the runway is a little narrower than the ICAO standard. But uh, narrow runway in itself is not a, a major issue for operators and regulators as long as everybody understands what the issues are associated with that and that the proper pr training, uh, and of course our pilots do uh, quite extensive training in the simulator to be able to operate in and out of Queenstown because it is a, a unique airport for a number of reasons. So if the lights are put on the mountains, mm -hmm. uh, approach lighting, mm -hmm. that's all that needs to be done, you'd be in? Well, as long as and as long as uh, you know, I, as the senior person responsible for air operations in New Zealand, are satisfied that it will be safe to operate in there at night, then I can't and and and, and all operations will be done under an RMP basis. Then I would anticipate that certainly uh, that would be the case. The Civil Aviation Authority will also likely recommend required navigation performance for all daylight jet services into Queenstown, but when it comes to night flights, that technology will be mandatory. Qantas captain Alex Passerini says further innovation may be needed 
and any introduction of night operations must be carefully stepped up. Evening operations, uh, again, will come with some additional challenges, primarily around uh, the pilot acquiring the runway at the final stages of the approach and managing the flare in the actual final piece of the landing uh, into touchdown. We have some unique equipment on the Qantas 737-800, which no other operator has, and that's the head-up display system, the HUD, and that uh, provides key information on a screen and it's projected through a, uh, a projector and the pilot uh, looks outside and is uh, still able to acquire all these important uh, instruments uh, and information such as uh, aircraft energy, aircraft tracking and so on. So we're in the best position in terms of aircraft equipment of any other operator. Having said that, uh, deploying a strategy uh, to be used for moving in towards night or evening operations should be done in a phased implementation. So we see the first benefit of being able to operate in the evening is to authorise departure operations. So you arrive during the day, but you may be able to depart after last light to help with disruption management. Um, these things happen because of weather, technical issues with aeroplanes and so on. So we see that as a first logical step. But it's not something we can just charge into by any means. Well, until recently, Queenstown Airport didn't have radar to allow air traffic controllers to see the aircraft. I'm just heading up now to the control tower to see a new innovation, which is changing how the air traffic controllers keep an eye on the sky. Hello, my name's Clayton Lightfoot. I'm the Chief Controller of Queenstown Tower, and I'm in charge of the tower operations for Queenstown Tower and Milford Tower. Traditional um, radar is based on um, like a radar head. We've got one on the Christchurch Port Hills, uh, and it's just like a big soccer ball. And it's a big spinning disc, uses lots of energy, and pumps out a lot of energy to either get a return. Now those big radars are quite expensive, so what we've done here in Queenstown, because of the terrain, because those radars only also see line of sight, we've put up these um, just whip aerials, and we've got 14 locations around the Wakatipu area that we've got all these aerials set up so we can see behind all the hills and we don't have dead spots. So the, all these aerials pick up... It's called multilateration, and like radar, it allows the air traffic controllers to see where the aircraft are. Um, because now we can actually... Um, look after more traffic. We can give better traffic information, which is uh, what we do to VFA aircraft to try and prevent collisions. We can actually now say to them that it, your aircraft is you know, right two o'clock, three miles, similar level, things like that, whereas before it was just there's someone out there around you, keep a sharp lookout. Lou Jenkins is Head of Operations at Airways New Zealand, the country's sole air traffic service provider. He says from an air traffic management point of view, night operations at Queenstown would be no different to daytime and could easily be managed by air traffic control. From our point of view, we would continue to operate, for example, in regard to passenger aircraft as we do during the day. We would be working with Queenstown Airport to enhance the lighting capability at the airport. The aircraft would depart flying the R&P procedures. You know, the CA has put in their safety case that individual operators would need to satisfy the authority that they have all the appropriate safety systems in place to enable them to do that. The chief executive of Jetstar Airways, David Hall, says there is no pressure on the airlines to inaugurate night flights, and nor are they putting pressure on the authorities to have them. Instead, he says, passenger demand will push the developments, and only if the safety case can be properly established. 
So it's important that with all groups and all members of the stakeholders that we work constructively. We certainly see benefit in it. If that's what the community wants, then yes, we see an opportunity there. But uh, the challenge for all of us is to work constructively as a team to uh, ensure we satisfy all regulatory requirements, all community expectations, and that we can operate safely day or night into Queenstown and uh, we continue to work with the local community around that. Steve Fulton says the satellite technology is proven to be safe and operates within the tightest parameters and will allow Queenstown to transition to night operations very easily. You have to take uh, measured steps where you're taking each piece and validating uh, that there's no uh, inordinate risk, there's no safety problems. And the thing that was so attractive to everybody involved in this project and ultimately led to success in other places around the world is the layers of redundancy. There's a lot of pieces here that are working together in harmony, and there's no single thread that if it broke, the safety of the airplane would be in question. And so that was essential, and we were able to demonstrate that as we began uh, flight operations, beginning first of all with flight trials or validation. Uh, we have a lot of data now over the nearly two decades of operation that uh, shows us that these airplanes, even though they're traveling at speeds uh, upwards of three to three and a half miles a minute, they're tracking the center line of this highway with a level of precision that's within the wingspan of the airplane. So as you have successive operations, one airplane behind another, different pilots, different airplane types, the variance, the deviation from the center line of this highway is within the wingspan, let's say, you know, 20 meters of variance. Back on the flight deck and the captain, Pete Rogerson, is preparing to land. The first officer, Andrew Price, says the new technology has changed dramatically the Queenstown operation. Before we had RMP, uh, in my training, I, in the, the first 10 flights, I diverted four times because we just couldn't get visual to circle visually in the valley. When we got down to Minima, we were still in cloud, so we diverted, which means a bus ride for the passengers from Invercargill. Um, I have yet to miss doing RMP. 100 above. Well, we're fast approaching now 500 feet. Minimum 500. And all the way from Auckland, uh, Captain Rogerson hasn't even touched the control stick. It's been hands-off all the way. It's only now that he's taking over control and will land this Airbus on the Queenstown runway. 150, 30, 20, retard, retard. Steve Wilde and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight. There you go, system works. We're in. Yeah. <laughs> Probably heard the saying, any landing you walk away from is a good one. I wrote and presented that program. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by William Saunders.